Hello everyone, and welcome to yet another edition of the 411 Ground and Pound MMA Podcast. I am Robert Winfrey, I am your host, and boy, what a week, huh? What a miserable set of seven days that was. Um, man. Uh, okay, for the record, let me start off as I normally do. Uh, I'll be flying solo in this particular episode. Jeff, unable to make it, but, uh, you know, uh, let me know ahead of time. So hopefully Jeff will be back next week. We'll see how things play out, but the world is not operating normally, so, you know, stuff is in flux. Um, man. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Uh, Whatever your particular podcast platform of choice, be that uh, you know Google Play, Apple Podcasts, uh, Stitcher, I think we're on Spotify, might even be on Pandora. Wherever you get podcasts, I'm pretty sure you can find us there. Uh, or our YouTube channel, or just via the 411 Mania website, whatever that, wherever you happen to have found us. Uh, thank you very much. Always, always appreciate you guys tuning in, listening, and uh, whew. Yeah, this was a pretty miserable week. Um, I'll try not to delve to dwell too much on this. Uh, on the show tonight, or whenever you happen to be listening to this, a preview of this coming Saturday's card, UFC on ESPN 9. Um, good main event, not a great card, uh, but we'll see how that plays out. Again, might be great in practice. So we'll go over that. And some news, UFC announced a bunch of fights. Uh, some of them are... <laughs> Oh, God. They're going to be really happy that the uh, Department of Justice recently, uh, I think it was the DOJ, really, uh, lifted international travel bans on foreign athletes here in the United States. So, again, that's still contingent on other countries allowing people to travel in the first place, but uh, the UFC will be very grateful to have a greater chunk of their roster potentially their, uh, potentially available because... Uh, those three events that they ran in you know that seven day period or so, uh, they used a lot of their upper tier talent, and now they're main eventing. They're like working on main events that involve Jessica I and <laughs> Cynthia Calvillo. Oh, I'll get more into that later. Oh God, what a what a terrible main event that would be. So we'll go over some of the fights that they've announced, that they've discussed, that are rumored, that they're working on, uh, all that good stuff. And any of the other news from the week, uh, such as it was. Uh, before I really get into this, uh, I'll be brief here, I promise. Uh, when we were, we wrapped up recording this same show, this show, uh, last Sunday. Uh, woke up Monday, basically, given my crazy sleep schedule, to the news that 411... Uh, Luminary, Larry Zonka had very suddenly passed away. Um, what a kick in the teeth that was, man. I don't know. I know there's a fair bit of crossover between professional wrestling and MMA generally, and I know most people who got into who follow along at 411 came there from the wrestling side of things. And Larry had been covering pretty much any professional wrestling event, uh, be that, you know, major promotion all the way down to indie stuff, uh, domestic, foreign, what have you, for 20-some-odd years. Uh, he was a really good boss. I liked working for him. Uh, he occasionally got me to pinch hit for him on Fridays. Uh, if he didn't want to watch SmackDown and would instead cover an NWA pay-per-view, uh, I would. <laughs> I would uh, take that particular bullet. <laughs> because, geez, SmackDown, man. Ugh, not good. Not all that good at the time. And his, uh, again, he was a good guy to work for. Incredible work ethic. I like joking around with him. Uh, on the occasion that a New Japan card he was covering would intersect with one of my, you know, overseas UFC cards. Did I see someone else crazy who was awake at that time? Uh, he, he was young. He was only like 43, I think. Uh it sucks. It just really, really sucks. Um, his family did set up a GoFundMe. If you, you've, pro I mean, it's been a again six days, so I assume most of you will have seen that if you already know about it. If you don't, if you have the ability to give, 
please do so. Uh, if not, just at least share the new the information around. Uh, again, Larry was a not only a workhorse but a a good guy, good guy to work for. Uh, loved his family. You, you could see him brag on his daughters all the time. Uh, he's he's gonna be missed. That that was a rough way. And then uh, same day, but news about uh, former WWE uh, star Shad Gaspard getting caught in a riptide. Uh, Go, uh, the the reports are that he and his son got caught, and when the rescuers first got to them, he directed them to his son. They got his son out, and he they were unable to save him. His body was found a few days later, or a day or so later. Uh, which is, I mean, that is absolutely you know heroic, and I, I don't mean that blithely. You know, you you put the life of someone else. You know, I think there's kind of a general expectation of parents that they will put their children's lives first. And ideally, I think that's kind of true. But in practice, as it always, you know, to to go through with that again and to behave like that, one hundred percent heroic. Um, that real again, that was rough. And uh, Friday, if you follow again, Joshi, uh, fem- which is women's wrestling in Japan. Their, uh, one of their like rising stars, 22-year-old Hana Kimura passed away. I think the reports right now were uh, suicide. Uh, just what a what a miserable set of days. Just absolutely miserable. So, all we can do, I suppose, is hope that the next seven are better. But uh, yeah, that it's been rough. So. Uh, dour note, I know, to begin the show on, but uh, let's, let us push forward, and let's talk about UFC on ESPN 9, which will be coming your way this coming Saturday. Um, I'll just say this right now, I don't think this is an especially strong card, but your main event, uh, former champion Tyron Woodley will be battling Gilbert Burns. Uh, Again, this is a good fight. Uh, Woodley is, I know a lot of people dislike Woodley given (laughs) um, some of his fights were just utterly uninteresting. Or if they were interesting, it was in a very, very uh, fight nerdy kind of way. I mean, his fight with Damian Maya is not an especially engaging fight. If you're really in again, if you're really into the weeds, the way he grip breaks on Damian Maya is interesting. The way he hand fights, um, but if you're to the point where you're really paying attention to the methodology of hand fighting and grip breaking, you're really again, you're really kind of deep in the weeds on that. Uh, so he's, so he, I understand some of the kind of general fan apathy towards him that occasionally borders on antipathy, I guess. Uh, but he's a—he's not a guy you th- might necessarily think of as an all-time great welterweight, and I'm not sure where he'd rank. But he's certainly up there. If you look just at his accomplishments, they're—they're they're quite high. So he's got a fairly impressive resume. And coming off of that loss to Usman, which was over a year ago now, uh, he was supposed to fight Leon Edwards at a few different points. That fell through for various reasons. He was supposed to fight Robbie Lawler um, first. I mean, the first post-fight title was like, "Hey, let's rematch him with Robbie Lawler." That fell apart after Woodley suffered a hand injury. He was supposed to fight Edwards in London, but COVID, and now he's gonna fight Gilbert Burns. Um, it's a. Uh, Again, it's a good fight. Uh, it's about the best that they can make, given some of the travel restrictions on people. Um, Burns actually is on a really good... Uh, I shouldn't say really good. He's on a... Actually, no, I should. He is on a good winning streak. I mean, he's only lost three times total in the UFC to Rashid Magomedov, Michel Prezeres, who missed weight for that fight. Uh, that, was, that was a lightweight. And then he got knocked out by Dan Hooker. 
but his current streak is five fights long and includes wins over Olivier Obam Mercier, Mike Davis, Alexei Konchenko, which was a solid win, Gunnar Nelson, and he just recently stopped Damian Maya. Uh, geez, just a couple of months ago. Uh, so, again, big, big, big spot for Gilbert Burns. Uh, this is his first main event. Uh, no, sorry, the Maya, I think the Maya fight was the, was the main event. No, that was Lee versus Oliveira. Yeah, sorry. No, this is his first main event. Uh, he's got power. Uh, legitimate world-class jiu-jitsu. He's a multiple-time world champion. I think he's an Abu Dhabi champion as well. Uh, and Woodley's... What Woodley decides to do here, or he chooses to fight, is going to be very telling, because if he does the same thing he's always done... That back up to the fence, look to explode forward, try to counter with big power... Uh, you don't really wrestle, except maybe to score some points. Or if, uh, it's I don't know how well that'll work against Burns. But you know, Burns might be very accommodating of some of Woodley's striking tendencies rather than punish him for them. So I tend to lean towards Woodley as far as making uh, picks go, but very important considerations here. Again, the time off for Woodley. Uh, Woodley is also 38. I mean, it's not like Burns is a young man, necessarily. He's he's 33, so he's young, I mean, five years younger, and five years is nothing to sneeze at competitively most of the time. So I, I expect a good fight, hopefully. Again, this might be a stinker. Um, Burns has been pretty reliable lately, but uh, Woodley, as far as watchable performances to the generalized public, are fairly hit and miss. With a lot more misses than hits. Uh, so Eileen Woodley, he's got more high-end experience. He's got a, again the really good wrestling pedigree, but I will not be surprised if Burns is able to pull this one out. If Woodley gets stuck in neutral for long periods of time, uh, I mean he's probably not going to want to wrestle too much. Burns being a very very good jujitsu practitioner, but Burns off of his back is. Not as dangerous as Burns on top, or, I mean, on your back is really where he likes to work. His back game is very, very good, uh, especially arm bars from the back, which is a very underutilized technique in MMA. But relevant fight, again, Burns is, I think Burns is ranked now, actually. Let me pull up the rankings here. I'm not saying top, I don't necessarily think, you know, very top, but I think he's... Uh, ranked somewhere in there. Yeah, he's number six. Uh, which is probably about right, all things considered. So, yeah, it's... Uh, uh, again, solid fight, very relevant fight for the division. I don't know that we'll get the next title challenger out of this, but... There's a lot that's up in the air right now about the top end of welterweight. Again, you have Colby still making noise. And you have Usman, uh, the UFC mentioning that they might not be going with Usman Masvidal, which seemed like such a no-brainer. I mean, if you're not going to do Masvidal and Connor as a payday, Masvidal and Usman seemed like, again, such a no-brainer. Um, Leon Edwards, again, out there saying he wants to fight someone ranked above him. Uh, so you could get Edwards and Covington. Uh, or Edwards and Masvidal. I mean, they did have that backstage altercation uh, where Masvidal you know, very famously start, dropped the three-piece in a soda line when talking about their fight, their you know, brief little scuffle backstage. Uh, it's it, it's just a and Some of it's a question of who's available. Some of it's a question of who's willing, given the current world state. Uh, there's there's a lot of unknowns. So I don't. I'm not saying you'll get the next title challenger out of this, but if someone has a really impressive performance, uh, they might be, they'll certainly be in the picture. Uh, again, maybe not the next the next challenger, but they'll be in that, in the orbit, uh, to be sure. So, relevant fight. Um, the rest of this card is not great. Um, just not any other way to say that, I guess. Your co-main event, and this is how you know we've already reached kind of bliss status, uh, Blagoy Ivanov and Augusto Sakai. 
Yeah, just uh, smell that enthusiasm. Um, even off coming off of that split decision loss to Derek Lewis, uh, that fight sucked. I mean, Ivanov, in his defense, has only lost twice in the UFC, to once to Junior Dos Santos and once to Lewis, and the Lewis fight was split. I mean, I kind of think Lewis... I don't think... I was a little confused about the split, I seem to recall. Either that or I thought uh, Ivanov should have won, but it, one of those things where I think back on it, and I probably should have gone to Lewis. But he's he got some pretty solid wins. I mean, he debuted against JDS. Then he beat Ben Rothwell. He beat Tai Tuivasa. Uh, and Sakai, one of those guys that the UFC might be really hoping to turn into uh, something of a you know Brazilian notable. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how you know well he's known in Brazil, but he's only lost once in his entire career, that being to Czech Congo via split decision. He's three and zero in the UFC. Um, knocked out Chase Sherman. Went to a split decision with Andre Arlovsky that shouldn't have been split. He won that pretty clearly. And then knocked out Marcin Tabora. Um, again, if that ends quickly, it might be okay. But I don't have a tremendous amount of faith in that fight being all that engaging. Especially the longer it goes. I lean a little bit towards Sakai rather than Ivanov. But it's, uh, you know, kind of middle-ish heavyweight. So who knows. Uh, Kevin Holland will fight Daniel Rodriguez. Let's see. Holland... Uh, fought very, very recently. Yeah, he fought on the uh, uh, that la- that last card at Jacksonville on the 16th, the Overeem and Harris card. I mean, this fight lasted less than 40 seconds, and I don't think he got hit at all during that. So uh, he might be in a better position to make a very quick turnaround than others. But he's fighting Daniel Rodriguez, who I need to confirm that this guy has fought in the UFC before. Uh, he is 11-1 and one overall. Yeah, he beat Tim Means. Okay, yeah, I remember that. Uh, so, somewhat relevant fight. Uh, I mean, neither guy is ranked, but you don't really want to have that kind of a loss on your record. Uh, Holland looked good, but that quick turnaround is potentially worrying. I actually do kind of like Rodriguez. He had some really sharp boxing chops against Tim Means, and that really kind of led to Means being undone. So if Holland really does want to stand and bang it out with that guy, uh, I think he might be in a little bit of trouble. Um, We have a lightweight fight between Roosevelt Roberts and Brock Weaver. Um, Roberts fought fairly recently. Beat Alexander Yakovlev in November. Whereas Weaver... Didn't he have that weird loss? He had the word win, yeah, against Rodrigo Vargas, where he got kneed in the head and knocked out by it, and it was an elite... He got kneed in the head illegally. And was knocked out. He, I mean, he was done. Like, I don't, bl- I don't blame fighters for stopping after they get fouled, because you look at how... Unless you have a long history of potentially malingering like that, uh, I tend to just be of the opinion that given how much fighters go through, if they say they're done, then they're done. Uh, I lean towards Roberts here. Uh, again, if Weaver can get this thing close and really kind of, you know, make it a close quarters fight, but I, I like I like Roberts' chances here. Roberts has some pretty serious upside. There, He's still young in his career. He's only had like 10 fights, but... There's, again, there is definitely some potential there. Uh, and kicking off the main card, we have Mackenzie Dern and Hannah Cyphers. Uh, Dern will be at straw weight again. Uh, she's coming off of her first professional loss when she fought Amanda, uh, excuse me, Amanda Hibas. Um, I think that one was also at straw weight. Yeah. Um... I don't know. I, I have a really hard time caring much about this particular fight. Now, Cyphers has gone 2-2 two and two in the UFC, uh, coming off of a loss to Angela Hill. If this stays on the feet, Cyphers probably has some pretty serious advantages, but on the mat, Cyphers has proven to be a work in progress, and Duran is a world champion jiu-jitsu practitioner. So, but... 
Dern's takedowns are not great. Um, I'm gonna pick Dern, but um, again, that's a, that's an iffy call. That's a close fight. As for the prelims, we have Caitlin Chukagian going from fighting for the title to the prelim card against Antonina Shevchenko. Well, if you can't beat Valentina, maybe you can beat Antonina. Um, God, Chukagian got massacred by Valentina. That whole division is... There's a real argument that maybe it, it doesn't necessarily have the depth and talent to support its own existence. Um, I mean, it's not like Featherweight, which is not actually a division. Featherweight exists for... It existed to accommodate Cyborg. And now it exists because, well, Amanda Nunes occasionally will want to fight without having to cut to 135, I guess. Uh, 125 is actually a division, but it's not a good one. It's really thin. Um, and yeah, I mean, Chukagian got her title shot on the back of two decision wins that nobody really cared about. Um, how did that loss to Jessica I, that was a split decision, uh, that I thought she won, but the fight sucked. So who cares? Uh, anyway, Antonina, I think she's coming off of a win... Yeah, she choked out Lucia Pudilova after dropping that decision to Roxanne Modafferi. Um, this is a step up for uh, the old... Uh, Antoni we usually tend to think of the more accomplished one as the older sibling. Antonina is the older sibling. Um, this is a step up for Antonina. <sighs> um, I'm gonna... <sighs> Look, I, I, this is stupid. I should. I know what's going to happen. Chukagian's going to do her shadow boxing routine and key eye 20,000 times around and somehow never get punished for spending that much time with her mouth open in a fist fight. Yeah, I, I, I kind of wound up talking about this with uh, Mark at one point, like why key eyeing in fights at the professional level tends to annoy me. You teach the key eye more as like a self-defense thing about making noise and as a training tool to get you to breathe during a fight. You exhale when you attack, you inhale in between. If you listen to boxers, uh, I mean, if you listen to these MMA events that have no crowd, you can hear fighters grunt and exhale as they attack. That's the point. The point is, breathe while you strike, so you're not tense and throwing and then building up lactic acid. You don't want a key eye in a real fight, necessarily, because if you want to get your jaw broken, have it open. Have your mouth open. It removes a lot of the structural support. That's kind of what led to Covington's jaw being broken, was he got hit with his mouth open in the Usman fight. So, uh, it, it, plus it's just annoying. <laughs> it's just so annoying. It's especially annoying when you're not actually making contact with anything, but you're doing a real good job of beating up the invisible person, you know, four inches, four to six inches in front of your target. Uh, so I imagine Caitlin will do that routine and win a split decision. Uh, we have a catchweight fight between Billy Quarantillo and Spike Carlisle. Um, Quarantillo has fought in the UFC before, uh, beat Jacob Kilburn in his debut. On a pretty decent winning streak, actually. Uh, he had a so he had a pretty good debut, from what I recall. I vaguely recall that fight. And Carlisle, Carlisle had that really awesome thing where he like stopped a hype train. Yeah, Alon Cruz was supposed to be the big uh, hyped up guy coming off of the Contender Series, and he uh, put a beating on him. <laughs> uh, so. That's going to fly under a lot of radars, because I don't think most people will even remember those fights that those two had, but uh, that might be some fun. Uh, again, they're at a catchweight of 150, just, I think, because of how late this fight came together. Plus, you know, access to the normal weight-cutting methods at the current point in time are just not really there. I'm going to lean towards Carlisle. We have a light heavyweight bite fight, because a heavyweight fight on this card just isn't bad enough. Uh, Jamal Hill versus Clidson Abreu. Um, Hill undefeated. I think he had one fight in the UFC. Yeah, he beat Darko Stasic. I vaguely recall that fight. Uh, whereas Abreu has fought in the UFC a few times. 
Yeah, in the UFC, he's gone one and two, lost to Magomed Ankalaev. Ankalaev's a pretty legitimate prospect, and had a split decision with Shamil Gamzatov. Uh, his only win is over Sam Alvey, though. Jeez. I'm going to lean towards Hill, but he's very... He's still growing. He's kind of green. He's got seven professional fights. Abreu has almost 20. So, uh, we'll see. Um, a flyweight fight between Tim Elliott and Brandon Royval. Uh, nice to... Poor Tim Elliott, man. Again, he's on a losing streak. Two fights. He, lo he was submitted by Davison Figueredo and then lost a... What I thought was a fairly clear decision to Askar Askarov, but he's always good for, a, enjoy, for an engaging fight. Crazy scrambles. Uh, Royval, I believe, is making his UFC debut. Uh, yes, he is. He's 5-1 and one in his last six, though. Um... I'm going to lean towards Elliot, but Elliot's, uh, his career is catching up to him. He's only 33, but he's had almost 30 fights. He's had 26 fights. A lot of those being longer fights, some of those being uh, some fairly notable wars. So, uh, again, we'll see. I, I lean towards Elliot, but Royville could be the real deal, too. I mean, the UFC is terrible at actually like managing flyweight as a division on both the men's and the women's side. Uh, we have a bantamweight fight between Louis Smolka and Casey Kenny. Uh, Smolka 2-1 and one in his current UFC run. Uh, lost with only the... He submitted Sue Mutaraji uh, to the shock of no one. Got submitted by Matt Schnell. That was surprising. And then stopped Ryan McDonald in his most recent fight. Uh, whereas Kenny's fought in the UFC three times. Uh, beat Ray Borg, beat Manny Bermudez after Bermudez missed weight pretty badly. Uh, then lost to Marab Dvalish, really. Um, again, th this one could be some fun. There could be a lot of fun exchange there. I'm going to lean towards Kenny. But Smolka's no one to be trifled with. And kicking everything off, we have Chris Gutierrez and Vince Morales. Uh, Gutierrez, 2-0 and in the UFC. Sorry, 2-1. and He lost his season of The Ultimate Fighter, their finale. Uh, since then, he's beat Ryan McDonald and uh, Geraldo de Freitas. Uh, whereas Morales, 9-4. Uh, and four. Has gone 1-2 and two in the UFC as well with losses to Song Yadong and Benito Lopez. His, win, his only wins over Eamon Zahabi. Um, I'm going to lean towards Gutierrez there, I guess. Um, yeah, so that's that card. Again, good, relevant main event. I don't even have a problem with that being a main event of a fight. Like that's, Tyron Woodley should be in a main event, even coming off of that loss in the layoff. And if you weren't going to be able to get him and Edwards together, you, the pieces you have available to you, Burns makes sense. Uh, currently, the UFC's plan is to host this at their UFC Apex facility, which is at the UFC headquarters in Las Vegas. That, however, is pending approval by the Nevada State Athletic Commission. Um, I believe the... the this, again, the sort of generalized uh, stance coming out of the, at the federal level has now been that sporting events can return so long as we're keeping the, you know, there's no fans in attendance, etc. Um, so I think Nevada is kind of on board with that, but the uh, State Athletic Commission still has to decide whether or not they want to go along with it. So they're, they will be meeting later this week to determine whether or not they will sanction the event. If they won't, the UFC does seem to have a backup Location set in Arizona. Uh, apologies as my dogs lose their mind. So it, it does seem like this event will go through either again either in Vegas or or Arizona, dependent on uh, what the Nevada State Athletic Commission does. So we'll have to wait and see about the specifics of the venue and the state and whatnot, but. 
that is the event as it currently stands. So look forward to that this coming Saturday. I will be in the MMA Zone of 411 Mania per usual. So the news of the week, such as it is. Um, phew. Well, the UFC announced a bunch of fights. Uh, they had some cards to fill out, so it makes sense that that's what would be coming up. Uh, first and foremost, UFC 250 was kind of fleshed out and finalized. Uh, the main event is still Amanda Nunes and Felicia Spencer. Uh, the rest of the card is, looks like it's going to consider of in some order. Uh, I think Rafael Asensio and Cody Garbrandt will be the co-main. Neil Magny returns against Anthony Rocco Martin, Ian Heinish and Gerald Mershart, Aljamain Sterling and Corey Sandhagen. That's a great fight. Um, Sean O'Malley and Eddie Wineland. It's a good step up for O'Malley against someone against a you know veteran of Wineland's caliber. Um, Alex Caceres will fight Chase Hooper. Who? I'm sorry, does someone just decide that, hey, we need the two guys with hair like Chia Pets to fight? I don't know. Uh, we'll have to see how that goes. Um, and again, I think the rest of that card, Charles Bird and Maki Patolo, Alex Perez and Juicy A4Amiga, Alonzo Manifield and Devin Clark. Um, that's a pretty solid card, actually. That's a big night for Bantamweight. You have Sterling and Sandhagen, which, well... Uh, which eliminates two potential opponents for Peter Jan uh, for the va for the vacant bantamweight title. Uh, the UFC Dana White, I think, after Cejudo retired, said that Jan against somebody, um, Sterling. I mean, the top contenders are Sterling, Sandhagen, Marais. Um, who am I forgetting? Sterling, Sandhagen, Marais. Um, you could do the winner of Austin Sow and Garbrandt. I mean, I, I I wouldn't. I don't think they're in that position. Um, they're kind of eager to throw Jose Aldo into that particular spot, so maybe Aldo's... I, I mean, the joke that came out of this was, well, they've cleared the field, so they can now do Jan versus Edgar for the vacant title. Which, I hate how real that possibility is. I really, really do. Uh, I mean, if it if they do make that fight, that does not go well for Frankie Edgar, just at all. So, yeah, um, what they're gonna do with that title is up in the air. But they have a, they have three really good bantamweight fights. You have O'Malley and Wineland is a pretty solid. Yeah, I mean, look, I think the UFC is gonna try and shove O'Malley down our throats in the next twelve months or so. But he actually, I was not a big believer in of his, uh, but his last fight uh, finally kind of came around a little bit on parts of his skill set, if nothing else. So him and Wineland, relevant fighting, and Sterling and Sandhagen probably determines the next contender. Uh, assuming, uh, assuming that Cejudo stays out of the equation. Uh, O'Malley, uh, uh, this is probably your number one contender comes out of Aljamain Sterling and Corey Sandhagen. And then Austin Sow and Garbrandt. Uh, I mean, Garbrandt on a really nasty three-fight skit. I mean, sure, two of them were to Dillashaw, and, that one was, and one of them was a wild brawl with Munoz. But for a guy who looked as good as he did, uh, that's a bad skid, man. And Austin Sow, I think his last fight was the... And he fought uh, Marais and Sandhagen, lost both of them, so... Uh, one of those two is going to turn things around, hopefully. So, a big night for Bantamweight coming up at UFC 250. That's a that's a pretty solid card. It's a pretty solid card. It's um, I don't know how well it'll do, but uh, they again, the UFC did what they could to put together a, a fairly solid card. Um, what they what we also have kind of on the. Uh, there's again, there's still stuff that's kind of being worked on and finalized. Um, the UFC is working on, you know, UFC 251 is coming up in uh, on July 11th, so they're still trying to flesh out that card. They've essentially announced their June 13th event. Uh, the main event apparently is going to be Jessica I versus Cynthia Calvillo, um, which is a terrible main event. I mean. 
that is just terrible. I, I know Jessica I rebounded after she got blown out by, after she got you know, dominated and knocked out by Shevchenko, and she actually looks like her new camp is kind of working with her in a way that she needs to be worked with, but uh, her fights are boring. They're just very, very uninteresting. And Calvillo, for as much hype as she had at one point, that seems to have really, really leveled out and died off. Um, I mean, I, here here's my real gripe with that. If you look, if you lay your card out and go, well, the best fight to put in the main event on paper is Jessica I and Cynthia Calvillo. I weep for that card. I mean, some of the other fights that have kind of been talked about for it. Uh, Andre Feely and Charles Jourdain, Marvin Vittori and Carl Robertson might finally fight. Uh, Julia Avila and Carol Rosa, Ariane Elipsky and Luana Carolina, Jordan Espinosa and Mark De La Rosa. Uh, that is not a good card. Like, that is just not a good card. I, I don't really have another way to say that. Um, <sighs> I understand the UFC is having to work with what they've got at the moment in terms of, again, who's available, who can travel, who can do all that, who is willing to do all that, etc., etc., but if that's the best you can put together, I seriously question whether or not that card needs to happen. I mean, I I get that the UFC just, you know, has a bunch of content they want to produce, and fair play, I suppose, but uh, that'll be a miserable night, almost certainly. Uh, the one the week after, June 20th, it has a few more fights that have kind of been either discussed or uh, partially agreed to. Uh, Roxanne Modafferi and Lauren Murphy. Uh, Josh Emmett and Shane Burgos is a good fight. Lyman Good and Bilal Muhammad could be good. Uh, Raquel Pennington and Marion Renault. Uh, so I, they're, they're doing what they can to flesh out some of these cards, but... I think the big one is the fight night on June 27th. Uh, the rumored, I don't think this has been confirmed yet, or that it not, it's not been fully signed, but they're looking to get Dustin Poirier versus Dan Hooker as the main event for that for that one, and uh, yes, that's a great fight. That would be a great main event. Uh, so, hopefully that one will... Hopefully that comes to fruition, because uh, th- those two were supposed to fight at one uh, earlier, uh, at a point in the immediate past, uh, at an event that was supposed to take place. In, I think one of the Australia events that wound up getting canned because of uh, you know, the state of the world. So hopefully that one comes through because that's a really good car. That's a really really good fight. It's wow, a really good fight on paper. Uh, okay, next up, I think as far as this goes, um, the U- uh, again, I mentioned this briefly, so I'll just touch on it again. Uh, the Department of Justice here in the United States uh, seems... Need to do, sorry. Yeah, the DOJ has... Essentially, lift. Uh, sorry, not the department. No, the Department of Homeland Security. Sorry, not the Department of Justice. Department of Homeland Security. If anyone was screaming at me about that, I apologize. Uh, they are exempting foreign athletes from the travel restrictions. So we, if so, if they're coming from another country that will allow international travel, there that opens up some doors for the UFC. However, the White House has banned the entry of non-U.S. citizens who are traveling from Brazil, in particular given how Brazil has kind of exploded with the virus recently. Uh, A lot of places in South America are getting hit hard right now. Uh, I think in no small part because of the seasonal element. Uh, You have the flu coming back seasonally, as well as if there's a seasonal component to the coronavirus, it'll pop up uh, in that, again, that, uh, you know, fall turning to winter time frame. And since we're spring turning to summer here in the Northern Hemisphere, the Southern Hemisphere is fall going to winter. So pay attention pay attention down there, and that should help us know if there's going to be a seasonal spike uh, that we can pay attention to because 
If that does spike around the same time the flu strikes anyway, yeesh. That's, uh... Oof. That could be rough. That could, uh... That could be very, very rough. So, expect to see a lot of people coming from places other than Brazil potentially starting to return to uh, the UFC. And... Or just MMA generally, so, uh... Uh, and it's fairly relevant, so hopefully, I mean, look, hopefully we can do it safely, right? That's the big thing. I'm not, I'm not big on, yeah, sure, let's just, you know, being blind to the concerns here. I'm not a major alarmist. I'm not entirely sure that, in some respects, you know, you know a lot of the you know, quarantining measures that we're taking are necessarily having the intended effects. Either that or they're just not, guidelines aren't being followed, but. Uh, I I know I I caught a little bit of flack when I said at the uh, the UFC two on the UFC two forty nine coverage that I still have some concerns about uh, you know the responsibility of holding an event right now and I got accused of I think drinking the Kool Aid um, which is hilarious to me I'm I don't talk politics here because it's not really relevant. Uh, but it, it was an odd thing to be accused of that to anyone who knows my general political leanings. Let me just put it that way. Uh, I, I'm not I'm not political party affiliated. My general leanings to actually tend to be a bit more on the conservative side. So so to see that was it was an odd thing. I've never really been accused. I, I know some people who have gone overboard who I could see that being a reasonable complaint about, but, uh, yeah, I, I really don't think I'm one of those guys. <laughs> anyway, so we'll find out more as, uh, as time goes on. I mean, Dana White coming out after the UFC 249 event going, yeah, it was a complete success. No one got sick. Well, meanwhile, Jacare and two of his cornermen literally tested positive <laughs> for the coronavirus. Ugh, just ridiculous. Anyway, uh, moving on. Let's see what else came out over the last week or so. Oh, okay. I think this deserves a little bit of time. Um, John Jones started making noise about going up to heavyweight again. Um, specifically, I think he said when watching Ovin St. Prue fight Ben Rothwell kind of lit, uh, you know, ignited some of his interest. However, however much value you want to put on John Jones' public statements. Uh, so he and Francis Ngannou started chirping at each other. Uh, started going a little bit back and forth, uh, potentially trying to set that up, or at least you know both of them expressing a desire to fight each other. Um, and the UFC continues its. Uh, Dana White says the same thing every time fighters want, you know, a, I would argue appropriate amounts of money, or if not appropriate, just more of the pittance you're paying them. And I say pittance relative to what the UFC brings in. He, he tends to bring out the old chestnut of, I don't think these guys really want to fight, which is hilarious to me. Uh, what he means is they don't want to fight for what we're willing to offer them. And both, I mean, I think both Francis and John said as much. Like, no, the UFC doesn't want to pay us what it would take, what they th- what we think it's worth. So it's unfortunately not going to happen. Uh, kind of a shame. I mean... I don't think John has anything left to accomplish at light heavyweight. Uh, not to say that he won't continue fighting there, but at this point, it's a lot of the same. You know, he's going to fight Jan Blahovich. Can't wait for that 48-47 Jones scorecards to be read off, because that's kind of how that's going to go. Uh, seeing him up at heavyweight, I think, holds a bit more intrigue, and seeing him against Francis, I mean, I, phew, heck of a fight. And unfortunately, again, both guys, I think, just have a bit of an understanding of what that fight is worth, and the UFC is not really willing to budge on what they pay people. So, uh, I mean, again, the the crazy thing is, like, the fan base and the market seem to respond to it. You know, they both they both made some noise about it, and people started getting a little bit like, yeah, I kind of want to see that. Now, whereas in the past, when John has made no, you know, kind of intimated going up to heavyweight. I mean, whether you think he was sincere in this instance even or not, I suppose is entirely up to you. But uh, people seemed interested in this one, so 
and we'll see how that goes. Again, it doesn't seem like it's going to happen right now, but uh, crazier things have altered the course of events. Uh, let's see. I think the last thing I wanted to touch on. Uh, yeah, okay. This comes. Uh, I talked. We talked a little bit last week about the uh, health of Khabib Nurmagomedov's father, Abdulmanap. Uh, Khabib seemed. I think it was Khabib that posted kind of an update on his father, who is in a medically induced coma right now. Uh, Khabib's statement, and you can take this for however much you think it's worth. This is from Khabib. Uh, his father was dealing with complications. He had heart surgery a, uh, a while ago. And uh, he, Khabib is saying that some kind of complications with the coronavirus, uh, with an infection, uh, in that same, in and around kind of the heart area, or it's complicating you know, post-surgery stuff. So uh, he's in a coma. I think they said he was on life support, which is terrible. I mean, that's... There's not a lot of people I wish that on, seeing someone you love in that condition. Um, and I mentioned this a little bit last week as well. Abdulmanap is an incredibly important figure in the development of martial arts in Dagestan. Um, I think... I'm trying to remember. I'm, uh, there's a couple of videos that... Uh, if you don't know how kind of important he is, he is... By and large, the father of certainly mixed martial arts, as it pertains to Dagestan in particular. Uh, I think Mixed Molly Whoppery's video on Khabib, called uh, Rise of a Savage, goes a little bit into his father's history, as well as the history of Dagestan uh, uh, just geographically. Uh, so, it, again, if you're not terribly familiar with Abdulmanap and what he has meant, kind of to keeping, especially like young men who are at risk of becoming extremists or you know, uh, stuff like that, giving people a path through martial arts, uh, what he has kind of done for that part of the world. Uh, maybe it's not, you know, maybe it's you know, a metaphorical drop in the bucket, but it's not nothing. So I, I would encourage you to give that a look if that video is still up. Because uh, you'll get a better feel for Abdulmanap and kind of his importance uh, in Dagestan. So, hopefully he recovers. I mean, again, I don't, uh, I don't wish you know the loss of a parent on too many people. Um, it's, it's a terrible thing. It's, it's essentially inevitable unless you die first. It still sucks. And I mean, Khabib's not old. Khabib is, jeez, he's younger than I am. I think. Yeah, he is younger than I am. He's thirty-one. I occasionally realize how much of my life I have wasted. When I look at someone like Khabib, who's, you know, four years younger than I am, give or take. September of 88? Yeah, he's about the same age as my brother. Has accomplished, you know, 28-0 UFC champion. All, everything that he's done. Anyway, so, yeah, I... I don't... I don't, I don't wish too many people, you know having to deal with the pain of losing a parent, and the people I tend to wish it on are not the kind of people who would be as affected by that as you would kind of think, you know? So, uh, yeah, so ho hopefully he recovers, but you know, all you can do is wait and pray. Uh far as that goes, I suppose. Okay, let me... I think that's everything I had. Let me uh, refresh Twitter one more time and see what's up. Okay, nothing else seems to have... Uh, nothing crazy seems to have happened, so... I suppose that means uh, let's go ahead and get out of here. Um, what have I got to plug? Uh, apart from the upcoming UFC event... Um, I will be taking over a few wrestling reports that Larry used to handle because Larry covered everything and we're looking to see who is in a position to potentially take over some some of those reports. I won't be doing these live. 
but uh, the weekly, once they start running weekly again, the NWA uh, Power Show on, I think, Tuesdays uh, is when it drops. So late Tuesday, sometime early Wednesday is probably when my report will go live. And the MLW Fusion Show, which is a Saturday, which I think drops Saturday at some point. So again, uh, that'll con- if that doesn't drop or even if it drops early. So Sunday at some point, my review for my report for those for that one will be going up. So if you're in the wrestling zone, you might see my name pop up a few more times, and feel free to give me grief. Uh, I imagine people will. It's all right. My style is not as suited to professional wrestling, I think, as it is to uh, MMA, but we'll see. Um. T- Coming up shortly, let me think. The most recent uh, Damn You Hollywood was a review of Scoob. Uh, that was less a review and more us kind of getting together and the review sort of happened by accident. Uh, but you can listen to that if you just want to hear, because we do talk about the movie. We talk about some of the history of Hanna-Barbera animation and characters. Uh, we talk a little bit about money and speculate what a... What does the movie business look like if you lose, if the theater experience goes the way of the dodo bird? You know, what happens if all you do is uh, direct VOD releases? You know, how does the uh, budgeting change? How does the ceiling change for your financial returns, etc.? So, uh, there's... Uh, we have a little bit of a discussion on that. We yell at critics because that's one of the things we do. Uh, not this week, but I think in a couple of weeks, Mark and I will be doing a, um, Mark has such an odd, at the Rattletion Broadcasting Network, we have this odd habit of either jumping on things right away because Mark can try and construct an entire week of content, like, oh, there's this movie or television show that also has a comic book adapt that either started as a comic book or was adapted into a comic book that we can talk about on source material, and there's this song or this album that was loosely inspired by it, or any... If he can't get... and he If he can get together a couple of things and try and theme out a week, he's all over it like white on rice. If you can't, a lot of the stuff that a lot of interesting stuff tends to fall by the wayside. So, continuing our trend of being several years too late to the particular party if we haven't been able to construct a full week around it, uh, Mark took... A, he took offense, like, he not offense. He thought I was challenging him uh, to watch Devilman Crybaby, the Netflix show, and said, sure, we'll review it on my birthday. And, I mean, sure, I'll talk about it, so... Um... Seeing Mark's reaction to that's going to be interesting. So that will that will be coming in, in June. So coming up sooner than you think. So be on the lookout for that. I think that's everything I have to plug. So as always, thank you very much for your support. Please like, comment, subscribe. Give us a star rating. Give us a review if you're so inclined. That's, that always helps. That all really does help. Share this show around with anyone you know that you think would be interested. Friends, enemies, acquaintances, people on the street, I don't care. Uh, And, as always, uh, thank you again. Stay safe out there, and please continue to be well, be safe, and behave.